It's the Combing the Stacks podcast, your go-to podcast for six decades of music, three albums at a time. Each decade, we cover over 200 albums spanning all musical genres and tastes, from the well-known acts to the cult favorites. Your tour guides on this journey are John, Josh, and Matt, three amateur music podcasters who all share a love of music and a shared quest to hear the next great album. And now, we head into the stacks. It's leap year, Josh, in the year 2024, and you are listening to the Coming to Stacks Music Podcast, the only Coming to Stacks Music Podcast in the history of the Coming to Stacks Music Podcast <laughs> on a leap year, because I believe it's the first leap year, uh, yeah, well, I guess I 2020, so. 2020 we started, but we hadn't done it in February, yeah. so this would have been our first opportunity to have a leap year podcast, so nice. yeah, probably a good time to mention, you know, just Google Coming's Text Music Podcast, you'll find all the good stuff. You know, we've said it a lot. Hopefully mm-hmm. you're a return listener and you've heard us, me say that something like 180 times at this point already. But Leap Year, Josh, yeah. this is something. What, what are your, what's your take on Leap Year? Uh, I find it interesting astronomically. And, mm-hmm. uh, of course, Matt's not here um, mm-hmm. because, I don't know, He's does he celebrate Leap Day? I don't know. Why is he even here? That's my question. We're not even sure why Matt's not here. He just he'll come every once in a while, but for he's those like a leap that, day. He'll come every fourth time. For those yeah, for those that feel the need to pick a favorite on coming the stacks, and why why pick a favorite when you have three you know top tier hosts like all of us? But for those of you who are Matt guys, maybe it's been a rough stretch for you here because we we've missed having Matt around too, and you're gonna have to get another Josh and John episode, which yep. you know mileage may vary. Uh, in terms of how you feel about that. But I enjoy Josh and John episodes. Same. Um, I'm optimistic about today's episode. Well, and if Matt's uh, away for too long, we'll just hire, like, another imposter, Matt, (laughs) to just sit in and see if anybody knows it. Yeah. Guy incognito, like The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. So you you want to tell everybody what we're listening to this week? Yep. So, uh, you know, Audible, we're covering three additional albums john and i are covering sublimes uh, not debut album technically mm-hmm. but um their second album 40 ounces to freedom then we're gonna cover Ten Thousand maniacs our time in eden uh, revisiting them for the second time and sugar copper blue so we covered uh some um this is bob mold's solo effort after mm-hmm. after husker do Mm -hmm. was what i was trying to say (laughs) and and, uh and uh, then we've got 10 singles and we will rank those like we did last week which i'm very interested to do at least you didn't say husker dois or something to like (laughs) compound it along the way yeah um, i I saw helmet in the spreadsheet i was like it's not mm -hmm. helmet (laughs) it's (laughs) helmut yeah Mm -hmm. but um yeah interestingly enough we actually covered a single from each of these albums in our singles run so, um, which I did not realize till we started doing this. But, oh, we've we've covered a, a sugar song from this album, a ten thousand maniac song from this album, and a sublime song from this album. Oh, so we did. We had, Was I on yeah, those? I don't think you were on some of them. Okay. Like we we definitely yeah. did date rape and an extended Matt and John. Yes. Uh, thing. I believe we did the sugar song also on yep. a Matt and John I'm seeing episode. That now. Yeah. I think we all covered ten thousand maniacs though. Um, uh, maybe nope, not. I'm not. Nope. That was you guys also. I was oh, that was during your hiatus. Okay, yeah. so yeah, that was interesting. I thought that each of these had a song that, that was not by design, but okay. um, 
I just moved them from the singles playlist on Spotify as to one of the songs we're covering this week. Yeah. So nice. Mm -hmm. All right. So last week we really dug in to that singles discussion, <laughs> right. Josh. It was freewheeling. It was almost as long as the album reviews. Not that I'm complaining because it was pretty freaking funny. And yep. uh, well received by the listeners who are not Matt guys. You know, if you're a Matt guy, then, <laughs> okay. you know. It's not going to be your tip. But for those that are willing to give us a chance, there was many laughs hurt, like had about that. And I think this is going to be an interesting week, too. Um, once again, for those that are doing we introduced a new format for singles only to not do it for two weeks in a row because <laughs> yeah. it's for all three of us. So we're going back to a format that Matt and I popularized first. And now we're going to do it, which is. 10 songs instead of the normal six. And what we're going to do is we're going to rank them from 10 to one. And the first time one of us brings up a song, uh, the other will mention where it is in our gridding and we will discuss uh, the song real time. Are you ready, Josh? I'm ready. My prediction is mm -hmm. we're going to have the same 10 and then everything else is a toss up. <laughs> I guess I really Interesting. don't know what, okay. uh, what, what you're going to think of some of these songs. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a little bit of a mystery um, yeah. where John are shifting. Well, let's see if you're right off the bat. What's your number 10? My number 10 is Def Leppard. Let's get rocked. Uh, it is not my number <laughs> oh. 10. Believe it or not, which probably speaks to, spoiler alert, about the quality of this week. I had this as high as number 8 this wow. week. Wow, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I picked it as 10 because it sounds like every other Def Leppard song. And, it does. Uh, there's There's... Really with nothing, the worst chorus <laughs> there's really nothing original it's derivative of themselves and i was so uninterested in this song that i didn't even bother to watch the video which i watched everything else um this week on the singles i think if i remember correctly it's like a performance video I, of course i mean i could have told yeah. you that what um i can't imagine them doing any sort of original video to this themat thematic song of let's get rocked but um yeah, well, you're, I, are you against getting rocked, Josh? <laughs> because, you know, it's to get rocked by the rock and roll, but also a vague sexual uh, reference yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. I, um, am I against that? Yes, in this context, I am against. <laughs> <laughs> so, False advertising. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just, they really are kind of a uh, an 80s band to me, and I don't see them evolving based on the song in any sort of uh, way into the 90s and I guess they're just kind of over the hill in my mind so that's yeah I know intent. I know Matt loves them and he probably owned this cassette and we'll ask him yep. about it but I'm certain he owned this cassette I imagine the cassette is something mania yeah uh, like, I don't know what but some some word in mania I know there was a pyromania uh and stuff and and another album with mania in it I I don't hysteria yeah, sorry, they're not a mean a hysteria, a pyromania. So something with an ia at the end of it. So <laughs> yeah, you know, aria, adrenalize, adrenalia. <laughs> uh, you know, is what I could have been. But yeah. Adrenalize. Yeah, that, that, that's that's, that's the name of the album. Yeah, yeah, um, that's that's about right. Yep. The album cover is about what you'd expect, also. Okay, so yeah, n my number eight certainly not a favorite of mine. But I, no. I want to talk about my ten, which was a. A dismal song, although I did find it funny. It is What's Up, Doc by the Fushnickens and Shaq Diesel. Not just Shaq, but Shaq Diesel in particular, combining different things. I actually don't mind the Fushnickens. They have some good stuff, but yes. this ain't this ain't it. This is this is almost like a novelty song, I think. And yeah, I I am totally with you. I rated this as seven. Um, this is a high seven only because. 
I agree with you. It's a complete gimmick song. Shaq trying to cash in on his uh, fame by by adding rapping to his repertoire, and um, he is by far the worst rapper of them. Oh, oh yes, yes, <laughs> far and away. In fact, his verse is the shortest. Uh, he's last, and he's really just riding their coattails, in my opinion. You know, I it was funny when you put. Fushnikins in the spreadsheet and then I saw Shaq was also involved you kind of like buried the lead on that <laughs> did you process Shaq Diesel like as part of it or yeah oh I didn't I just put Fushnikins not yeah, Shaq you did. that was intentional by yes. the way yeah yes. exactly and then I you know me too later. well yeah. <laughs> yes um and uh the video is nothing to write home about and it's just um it it is a gimmick song it's it's like uh kind of these other one hit wonders of of rap that are around at the time like young mc although that song's better Mm -hmm. and uh, i don't there's other ones that are like this but just the repetition of the chorus Mm -hmm. and the um i don't know the kind of clean i don't really have problem with clean rapping per se but when it's so like sanitized and uninteresting that's kind of when i have an issue with it and um so I don't know. It's like rap for kids. It feels like to me, this song. Yeah. I would, I would describe this as a commercial masquerading as a song. It just yeah. feels like something to be playing in a commercial <laughs> right. yeah. with quick jump cuts. Um, I get like a real, uh, there was a, there was a sketch like a while back with Kevin Hart on Saturday night live with mm-hmm. uh, Tim Robinson. Uh, the, um, you know, he's now a sketch. Uh, yeah comedian yep. and he was a writer on SNL for a couple years and a cast member for a year and there was a thing they did about Z shirts right and it was like a real oh, 90s yeah. vibe and it's like is it an A shirt is it a B shirt is it a C shirt <laughs> that and they sounds keep like a up. Tim Robinson sketch yes for sure. it's it's yeah. hilarious I mean, I take, but like that this seems like the type of song that gives me that type of energy <laughs> right. yeah. along the way and yeah <laughs> Not a lot of wordplay that catches your attention here. Either. And I'm a little annoyed because I know the Fushnikins are good. So mm-hmm. the fact that they did this, it's like, ugh. Yeah, that one, guy, that one guy actually raps really fast. Um, mm-hmm. impress- and he's impressive. That was that was kind of also what raised it to a seven for me is that guy's, that guy's verse. I didn't get, look up his name. But um, mm-hmm. I think there is talent here. And that's why it, it didn't like wasn't at the bottom for me. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. What's your nine? Nine is Mark Curry. Sorry about the weather. That is my number nine, too, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really did not like the song, the lyrics, uh, Me the neither. music, or the video. <laughs> In fact, the video is kind of really uh, solidified me not liking this song even more. It. I don't. Did you watch the video? By I did. Yeah, yeah. I'd never seen this video, but I was very, very vaguely familiar with this song. Mm-hmm. Just like, I think I've heard this but wasn't sure, but I watched the video, yeah, it stunk. Yeah, it, I didn't like the concept in terms of like two people uh, talking and then him being on in the background on the TV. And it's just does your song no favors when you can hear the people over your song. <laughs> I don't know if that's intentional or yep. not. But um, this is just very bare bones, acoustic guitar, kind of male singer songwriter in the vein of, I don't know, John... John Mayer later, except he's better uh, mm-hmm. guitarist, and and uh, it's it's really kind of like nonsense lyrics. And this this video, his voice isn't even it, that good. There's really nothing that I liked about this. <laughs> you know what's annoying? It's like you said nonsense lyrics. There, I hate lyrics that people 
certain people would say are profound. Yes. But they're like, like yes. not profound. They're just like word soup. Mm-hmm. Like or or like almost like porny, you know, in the sense like, of, you know what I mean? They're they're like the most sanitized. It's like what porn is to sex, like this like uh, very superficial, right? Like view yep. of the thing. That's what I feel like the idealism is in this. It's like, you know, I'm just like reading the lyrics. It's like, you know, I, I'm sorry about pollution filling up the yes. crazy little world, you know. The, sorry about racist fools. They don't believe in love. It's uh, what oh, about the, guns? The stuff about gloves? the troops too. Yeah, like the oh, faux, God, like yeah. folk, me- folk messaging, social commentary. It, it was killing it was, off young boys just as yes. fast as we send them over. Uh, that, yes, over and over. That that's pretty yeah. much what the song is in in a nutshell. And um, I never knew this song, and I'm glad I only just listened to it now. Yeah, it does not pass the test of did I want to hear more from this artist. So. Yep. Um, looks like it was a relatively big hit, and um, I'm happy for him, but this this wasn't it for me. So yeah. I think you and I are pretty on the same page. I think I'm pretty comfortable saying that I don't think Matt would like this song either. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, so I think see, even not being a lyrics guy, quote unquote, as he says, I think he wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't like this. Yep. So, and I would say, by the way, and, and Let's Get Rocked for me is my number eight. I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, all three of these fall in what I would call the straight trash category so oh, far. Oh, yes. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What's your eight? My eight is a escape, just kicking it. Okay. Um, I, I really thought this was another um, cash grab, especially like capitalizing on TLC and probably like their rising fame i didn't i wasn't on the episode when you guys talked about that album but yeah no these guys were like contemporaries but what tlc was doing at this time didn't sound like this yeah i i don't yeah. know i did hear tlc in them and i just thought they weren't a very good girl group or, or women okay. group and um i didn't uh find the chorus especially um uh good I, f- I found the song pretty repetitive i feel like they were trying to hide kind of their ability behind Maybe they're dancing in the video or just kind of some basic lyrics. This is an early Jermaine Dupree. I definitely picked him out right away. So mm-hmm. kind of Atlanta rap is is making an appearance, I think. Uh, so that's notable. But um, I, another song I didn't hear back when it, when it aired. And um, I don't know. I feel like there's other groups and other, um, even within this, uh, our segment that have done, that are doing this better than, than they did. I, I might have a little bit of nostalgia for this because I remember when this song came out and mm-hmm. I enjoyed it and I would hear it on the radio and it might have, you know, scored times of my life where it's there. I, I've always liked the chorus of this yeah. song. Um, it's a fun chorus to sing along with, you know, the kick off your shoes and relax your feet. Mm-hmm. Party on down to the x beat. Just kick it. I don't know. That, I always like that chorus a little bit and they don't overstay the welcome uh, yeah. with it for me. I, I think I also very much welcome that Jermaine Dupree sound. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's the first time we're hearing that specific. It's like the first time we heard New Jack Swing. It's like, okay, New Jack Swing has entered the chat. Yeah. Now it's like sort of like Southern R&B hip hop yep. uh, beats, you know, not universal, but a certain type of Southern beat is coming in now. And it, because it's the first time we heard it in this journey, I definitely did appreciate it. I know what you're saying. I mean, it's not, it's not going to push the genre forward in terms of strength of voices or is it like an absolute drop dead passionate chorus or anything? No. Um, It's a I'd say it's a better than average beat though. 
Yeah. Um, I enjoy it with the, you know, the drum machine and um, just, you know, that sound that Josh did such a good do- job of describing there, the, mm-hmm. you know, the Jermaine Dupree sound. But um, yeah, I was a little higher on this. This was my five. Uh, okay. So, and it would fall uh, in the, I think it's the last line of uh, the mid category for me. Okay. I would say, I don't know if it goes into the, the cash category, but uh, it's very firmly in the mid for me. Yeah, I'll let you. It's still this is still trash for me. I, I'll let you know when I get to the mid in my rankings. Okay, but it's not uh, straight trash. No, no. Okay, definitely not. Yeah, um, and your seven was Fushnikins and, and yes. Shaq Diesel, right? Which I <laughs> just, would also say was trash. Yes. Okay, I I laughed just seeing Shaq Diesel. It makes me. It's as funny <laughs> as if it was like Shaq O'Neal instead of Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, it makes me laugh. It's uh, also interesting too because yeah. they advertise that song as his in Amazon Music, even though I think. It's reversed. Fushnikens featuring Shaq Diesel, other places mm-hmm. like in, in the video and stuff. I don't know. Interesting that they're trying to grab listens by that by Shaq being <laughs> their main yeah. main thing. Uh, well, my seven surprised me a little bit okay. because it was uh, the George Michael Elton John song "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me," and oh, I wow. I'm very much on the record of saying that I like Elton John, and I've been a big fan of the George Michael we've covered. Um, yeah, we've we've covered you know Faith, and then we covered uh, Freedom from uh, Listen Without Prejudice, a, an album that probably we should have covered. Freedom the ninety two. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna cover yeah Freedom ninety two or ninety Freedom ninety mm-hmm. right. The video yeah. we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we're gonna cover a couple more George Michael songs, the Fast Love songs later. And he's another type of artist I could absolutely imagine us, you know, when we need a bonus episode, putting it on. Yeah. But uh, and I, I mean, I love Elton John. Um, I don't know though, just something about this, uh, it had no weight to it. Uh, I'm familiar with the song. It'd been a while since I listened to it, but I just um, the things I love about George Michael, like the blue-eyed soul, the funky beats in the background. Elton John, the energy, mm-hmm. the piano, like it just felt like both of their eternal spirits were sucked from this song a little bit hmm. in, okay. in, in the idea of making what I consider to be like a lesser adult contemporary song. Yeah. And I, I'm famously on this podcast, at least probably the most open to the adult contemporary genre of the three of us, but I, I didn't want George Michael and Elton John making me an adult contemporary song. I, I was hoping it would be, the alchemy would be better. Um, and it wasn't for me. And I know that George Michael, you know, he did uh, a song with Aretha Franklin that was great, mm-hmm. right? And just, and obviously Elton John has multiple collaborations that are good. But for whatever reason, this one just didn't hit for me. So, um, yeah, I can't recommend this. I'm not going to say trash. I'm going to call this mid. Yeah, this is... Um... Uh, this is my number one, actually. I wow, okay. Yeah, I really, uh, I really like this. I like the mm-hmm. collaboration between the two of them. Watching the video kind of like gave me goosebumps a little bit. Um, uh, I don't know why. I just felt like it highlighted how like great of a singers both of them were. Um, I I get what you're saying. Like I I was looking a little bit into the history of the song because I remember watching the Live Aid segment where he did this initially. That was back in 85. But then I guess he re um, kind of capitalized it or brought in Elton John at the end of his one of his tours in the 90s. And then they like re-recorded the version of it. But the video I saw is like a live version of I don't know if that was the actual video or just kind of a a live version that was out there but um i i liked i know what you're saying like it's 
but I feel like he does like kind of have range on this song and um I don't know I, I it made me want to see like more performances by them together which obviously I don't think really happened um but um yeah this song this song worked for me um more so I wouldn't call it an eternal jam I think this week is kind of cash and below for me so this is a cash song well we had run through a lot of the big <laughs> so i yeah. i did i i was gonna bring in some higher note ones but they would have been later in the run you know I'm 93 94 you. it's always yeah. gonna be different from week to week but oh yeah no i'm just saying i was it wasn't like there were lots of choices where i'm like ooh, that would be great 93 yeah. 94 but i'm like i won't jump ahead and the pickings were a little thinner this week yeah. <laughs> it's noticeable. Okay. no no yeah. I, it's still still interesting but yeah um i i really like this song and um you know i think i think i was when we talked about george michael initially i was a little lukewarm on his his uh 80s solo effort but i think i'm been warming to him more in the 90s uh you know with that freedom 90 video and and kind of some of this other stuff so there we go it's a it's a grower not a shower exactly (laughs) Uh, what was speaking of that? What is your number six? My six is Ice Cube. Um, okay. Uh, check yourself. And hey, that's my one. So oh, we're geez. gonna have a different video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I didn't. Okay, so this is the same sample as Salt and Pepper. Um, that was well, the first the mes- thing. It's the message. Yeah. Is which yeah. which is Grandmaster Flash, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I saw that there's multiple different versions of this also. Like the song, this one I listened to is not the remix, which apparently what is what the video was. Um, right. So I did not watch the video as a result. And the, um, I don't know. I, I felt like this is kind of by the book Ice Cube. I, I feel like the rapping is, is pretty is pretty good, but there's nothing too original. He's kind of like hitting the same beats that um, he always has uh there's the um you know it's a catchy sample but the rapping kind of doesn't i don't know i feel like he's not not that he's phoning it in but i feel like he's just kind of staying in his lane and i don't feel like there's any kind of original lyrics or things they're taking it to another level for me and i've liked some of his other songs in america's most wanted as a as a whole which is not all not this song is from predator his his next uh, album, but I, I liked America's Most Wanted and some of those things more than this song, so that's why it's kind of mid for me. Yeah, I I know what you're saying because yeah. there's other things that seem more revolutionary than this, and this is sort of like now that we've covered Ice Cube several times, it's like, yeah, well, we've got Ice Cube right here, but in a week like this where there weren't songs where it's like, oh wow, that was a transcendent single I, I know i'm spoiler alerting a little bit but this is my one so <laughs> yeah. this is a cash song for me so my number one not being an eternal jamma right yep. is uh telling in its own right but and and you know there's <laughs> you know, there's problematic lyrics on yes. this like well, yes. big dicks up your ass is bad for your health you're like yeah. all right well we're in 1992 right now but you know with ice cube always there's certain lyrical themes that you kind of have to right. like you kind of overlook you just do at that point so um but i i think in a week like this where i'm getting you know uh, a nice high tier ice cube song with probably one of the most famous if not the most famous hip-hop sample ever yeah. i mean that the message by grandmaster flash has been sampled by 
everybody. Like a couple years after this, it would get, you know, sampled again by Puff Daddy. And it was just, it feels like every like four or five years, somebody samples the message again. It's never as good as the message, but this is probably my favorite song with, you know, the message in the background. Mm, okay. Um, along, you know, along the way. And I think some of that is because I just continue to, Ice Cube's one of my favorite MCs uh, sonically. There's yeah. just something about like the righteous indignation in him, which his delivery. Could, yeah. It, well, it could just elevate a song that's. There's other rappers like that too, but he he stands out to me as one of the the most clear. There's I, I said that before, and I'll say it again. Like he is an authority to the way he raps. That mm-hmm. there's very few other people that have. Tupac is another guy yeah. that has that authority. I feel like in a different way. Rakim is the guy with like maximum authority in what he's saying. Like you stand up, you pay attention. His is a little bit more though laid back, like intellectual authority. Where this yeah. is a little bit more, you know, aggressive. I guess you'd say streetwise authority. But yep, I enjoyed it. But I, I your opinion, all your opinions are valid, Josh. But that <laughs> oh, one in particular, you. yes. But <laughs> that one in particular is um, particularly valid because I understand. I think it's kind of like you know how we disagreed on your one. It's like, I can right. see what you're saying, even though it hit me different. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. um, well, my number six is dreams, uh, by, uh, Gabrielle. Oh yeah. And yep. And, uh, I remember that I didn't, when I wrote this down, I remember pulling this as I was fleshing out the charts and I was looking, okay, let me look at like the billboard charts mm-hmm. for like 100 for a song that I don't think I know to put on just to kind of edgy. And I put this on cause I didn't recognize it. And then, it played as, oh, like I have heard this song a thousand times in my life. So I didn't realize it was this song. Um, There's a lot, we haven't covered any of the other songs that this reminds me of that we're going to cover, but I I put this in like the lane of like, um, You Gotta Be by Desiree Mm -hmm. and like different songs. There's, there seem to be a lot of these like empowerment songs or like upbeat sort of somewhat R&B, somewhat pop. Um, very malleable to the largest audience possible, Mm -hmm. I'd say. Um, I enjoy the chorus of this. It's when you get out of the chorus, it becomes just a little bit mid on all fronts for me. It's, it doesn't have a great bridge. Um, singing voice is pleasant, but doesn't have anything that stands out from sort of the average. And I think it's also, it suffers a little bit from what you were talking about with just kicking it, where it's sort of like you you know other versions that do this that might be a little bit more elevated mm-hmm. from it. But with that being said, there's absolutely nothing unpleasant about this song. It was a big hit for a reason. I yep. get it. It just sort of stayed there for me. So number six. Yeah, that's my number three. I okay. really um, have always loved this chorus and this song. I, I remember it. I never knew who the artist was. I think I probably assumed it was somebody else along, along the way or not knowing it was a one-hit wonder. And... It's uh, it's funny because the very first part is I'm pretty sure like the same guitar chords that Tracy Chapman uses in one of her songs, um, off that album. It's very familiar. And then, um, but I, I like her delivery. I I like kind of the, the, the way she elongates leading into the chorus, like this the word dreams in the way she says it, and then the the kind of um, hitting the strings in the chorus while she sings dreams can come true. And, um, you know, that that whole chorus just kind of really works for me and is always stuck in my head. And 
Um, now yeah. this is TLC derivative because she's yeah. singing exactly like T Boss. That's a good one, point. you know, all the way down to the dreams, you know, like the yeah. way she sings, you <laughs> yes. know, that like that yeah. thing that I I instant. It's uh, there were a couple people doing it, but to me, it's very You're much right. like a T Boss sound. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, it was interesting. I so she's a British artist, and I also noticed that she wears an eye patch in the video. She mm-hmm. they do like a, they kind of like hide her her eye and shadow sometimes and like do interesting like artistic things and um i don't know i i, I thought that was interesting also it kind of like made the video more creative as a result oh, is it it's not a fashion eye but it's like a eye patch because of an eye condition yeah i think so oh yeah. interesting. okay um, yeah because in uh she's wearing it in um like video uh pictures and stuff on wikipedia and stuff as well when i was kind of reading about it so i don't i don't think it's uh just kind of a fashion statement um yeah well i'm looking at like the album her greatest hits album as well as her picture on spotify in one of them her um her hair is covering her eye yeah. And the other, her hat is her, it's like a carbon yeah, San Diego esque exactly. hat. Yes. It's covered. Yeah. So, yeah, Josh, I do think you might be onto something here. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, oh, yeah. So she has, yeah, she has a eye condition, and um, okay. that's why she wears it. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, I just, ultimately, I just love this song, and I always have. So that's why it's a three. It's cash. Yeah. That's, I, I, I there's nothing offensive about that take. I get yep. it. It's like a chorus. Um, number five for me, we've talked about It's Just Kicking It by Escape. Um, mm-hmm. I like that one a little bit better than you um, because of the familiar sound. What's what's your five? My five is G, Don't Walk Away. This okay. is a... That is my four. Okay. That is my four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a, another song I hadn't heard before, but man, it, really? just, it just really... Uh, I just really enjoyed it. And... Mm-hmm. And um, I like kind of their vibe. The video is interesting. The way that they like dressed and and uh, danced and kind of the whole like uh, point of view that they were trying to express, like uh, like being from. The, I don't know. They were like in like an urban background and like there's mm-hmm. kind of people all around them and um, they're kind of playing up the sex appeal and stuff too. And um, so I kind of like. Yeah, I liked it as as like a, a new new song that I hadn't heard. I was surprised, and um, especially compared to Escape, I thought this was like way better than than that. Okay. Yep. See, to me, they traveled in the same ecosystem because yeah. they were oh, definitely. All, like yeah. So, and there's a couple we're going to be covering uh, upcoming weeks that also are in this ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And when we did TLC, they were around it, but I I won't throw other stuff in because we'll be talking about them in future weeks. But yeah, we're in. We're in 90s R&B groups, which, I mean, is an easy sell yes. for... Sign me up, because I <laughs> yeah. like a lot of them. And this song, I, I I have it a little bit higher than the Escapes. I agree. I think it's a little bit better version of it. I don't think I have as much of a window between the two of them as you do. Yep. Um, but yeah, this is a classic, like, you're going to treat me right guy, or else I'm going to, yep. you know, walk away from you before you do from me. And it works from that end of things. And... It's it's got a really good chorus. It's really well produced. Um, it's extremely catchy. It passes the John test for any and all R and B. Is do I want to sing this song in a car? And yep. the answer is yes, I do want to <laughs> sing this song in the car. So I obviously that that dream song by uh, Gabrielle passed it for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is one that passed it for me because I like to play the singles in the car. 
the first mm. time I listen to them in okay. a week. I just feel there's just something eminently, yes, intentionally. Not albums. I don't yeah, do yeah. well with albums and cars at all because I can't focus. But singles, to me, the essence of what makes a single is do I want to listen to it in my car either because of the vibes it gives me or I can contemplate it or it catches my attention enough that it makes me want to listen to it more closely in another environment. And this is a yep. great car song. So, Yes, nice. Uh, I agreed. I always mm-hmm. like putting the single on shuffle too, so I'm always surprised at yeah. what comes up. That's a good call. <laughs> yep. I haven't done that, but I like that idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so what is is it what's your That was my f- Jade four. is my 4. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, we did your 5 already. We did my 5 as Escape. Yep. Okay. So 4, my 4 is R- Mariah Carey's Dream Lover. That is my 2. Okay. I knew it would be mm-hmm. high up. Um, I think we're both all three of us are big Mariah Carey fans. It was um, almost my one. Yeah. I, it, it was definitely, um, you know, in contention for sure. Also, like, like not to be, you know, typical male, but, like, we're talking, like, a prime Mariah Carey here in terms of video hotness, I'd <laughs> okay. say. Like, yeah. Yeah. But she still has, she hasn't changed her look yet. She's still in kind yeah. of that original early 90s look that we talked about yes. on the uh, the other single, I think it was a single that we talked about her. Yeah. Well, we did Vision um, of Love, but this yes. is like, this is like a couple albums after. Like to me, this is further along. I know it's chronologically, if you're not as familiar, but when it was, I was going through it real time. This seemed like Mariah had lived a lifetime between Vision of Love, Mariah, and <laughs> yeah. Dream Lover, Mariah. Yeah. And then there's like two more lifetimes before like Fantasy, Mariah comes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not fantasy, like I have a fantasy, but like the song <laughs> fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where she's riding the roller coaster, right? That's it. Well, that's the fantasy. Yes. The fantasy. Say, and then, of course, there's the fantasy remix with ODB, which yep. is, of course, the toppest tier. <laughs> Correct. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so there is, I agree, there's an evolution here. She's she's kind of showing a bit more skin in this video. It's mm-hmm. an interesting video. I, I had never seen the video before. This is, I, Jean, I knew the song. This is Jean Shorts era. Yes, uh, exactly. Mariah, which is, Jean... I always, this album is like her <laughs> peak Jean Shorts. Yes. Jean Shorts, like farm girl outfit, I would say. Yes, but she had multiple videos, <laughs> like with a Jean, like, where where the first one was like black dress Mariah Carey, yeah. Like this is like jean shorts and like crop top Mariah yep, Carey, exactly. which is a good Mariah Carey. And yeah. she's mm-hmm. but she still has her curly hair too. It's like she um, does, yeah. So that's kind of the the differentiation if we had to like. Uh, and, and I only bring this up a little bit is because we, we, Josh and I in particular, we we the videos are part of the single experience for yeah. us. So I do feel like the aesthetics of what she's doing is important. And I don't want us to sound like a horn dog or something, but like <laughs> no, no, it is a no, it paints I, a picture. I mean, I would say she's not leaning into the the hip hop totally right now. But no, you not can yet. See a little bit more of expanding beyond like balladier Mariah yeah. Carey as well. There's a little bit more. Uh, soul to this right. song, I would say, than the other songs. And she's, mm. e- yeah, even in the video, I think she's kind of creeping towards that because um, a lot of like the back, all, all of the dancers are, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of that hip hop aesthetic and and um, you know, it's all it's all shocked. very playful still too. But um, I'm kind of shocked we didn't cover any of these first three Mariah Carey albums. Yeah, um, we. Um, it's probably a failing on me as a showrunner to do it because <laughs> okay. there's there's a, a ton of big hits on these albums. So that by the time we cover our first Mariah Carey album, there's going to be like 10 songs that are on her greatest hits that we'll have not covered. Mm. Um, well, eight of them because we'll have covered the others. But yeah, she does her self-titled, Emotions, 
Music Box, and I think the first one we're going to cover is like 95's Daydream. Okay. Um, it's going to be, so this is from Music Box, uh, which was 93 and had some big hits on it. It has um, Hero is on mm-hmm. that one. It has the cover of um, Harry Nilsson's Without You uh, okay. is also on that one, yeah. Um, and both of those videos are her singing at that one concert, which she is in a black dress, so maybe she still is Mariah Carey's black dress <laughs> in this yeah. era too. But but a, a joke side about the video, I just I think this is it's got all the Mariah parts. Right? It's got a great chorus. Mm-hmm. It's super well sung and produced. It's got her doing that breathy, like ridiculous whistle register sound yes. at the beginning to just yeah, very beginning, like, yep, so high. This is, Yep. yep, and this it's like, oh, it's Mariah Carey, whistle register. Yep. And just there's a lot of the, the calling cards here in terms of what's going on. But I just, I think it comes down to I just really enjoy the way Mariah Carey sings. And I think one of the other things is just amazing that she writes her own songs, which I think people don't right. get too because she, you know, she collaborates and stuff with stuff, but she also writes way more than most. And I think most people are just used to hearing this, it's, songs written for them um yep. and she i think sometimes people forget that she's also a songwriter too universally so yep, yeah love, really like this one this one's a cash song for me for sure cash for me as well it's just light and airy and it's everything you want in a mariah carey like hit it's it's like yeah, it's so singable and like enjoyable as a song as a video as sort of like an entire package yeah yep exactly okay well, my- we're at number three, and I think just by process of elimination, <laughs> right. I feel like it has to be the same song, right? Because it's like the only song we haven't talked about. No, my three is Dreams uh, by Gabrielle. Ah, your three okay. is Dreams by Gabrielle. All right, well, yep. let me finish it off because my – so that you know, we said Mariah Carey's my two and yep. then uh, Ice Cube's my one. So this has to be your number two. Correct. It is. And that is New Age Girl by Dead Eye Dick, maybe. Yeah. So oh, a song that I remember listening to on the radio pre-Dumb and Dumber. And then, of course, listening to a second whole time when Dumb and Dumber came out. Yep. Because it, like, had a second life. Um, and I want to say, I think, I, I don't know, this song had, like, multiple evolutions. And it's ridiculous as a song. Totally. Yeah, it's, but there is something... <laughs> very earwormy and very yes relatable to it's on one hand it it does reside in a vibe i normally struggle with which is like that they might be giants bare naked ladies lunacy Mm -hmm. lean um but it's more like how somebody like the presidents of the united states of america live in that lane lane. yeah as opposed to like the I'm a nerd who posts on Usenet like groups yeah. level, you know. It's, um, it's borderline gimmicky, but it like works. It's like the peaches it, it's for not as, yeah, presence it's, in the United States. It's, yeah, it's like um it's like quirky, but it's yeah. not nerdy. Yeah. And I think that might be my differentiation. Like I don't like the nerdy as much, but I can do the quirky. And yeah, the, the best corollary for those that haven't heard it is probably presidents of the United States of America, I'd mm-hmm. say. Yeah, that's um, a good choice. and but it's just, I don't know. The chorus is oh, man, super so catchy. It's <laughs> yeah. so good, isn't it? Yeah. And were you familiar with this from Dumb and Dumber? Yeah, that's where I yeah. first heard it, I think. And yeah. then I'd completely forgotten about it until we listened to it this yeah. week. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, and when and when you first came across it, Josh, what was your, your thought when you heard this? Yeah, I thought, 
I just remember that like Mary Moo, Mary Moo part or Maggie Moo, whatever they say. She's a vegetarian. <laughs> well, and of course, you'd, you know, you also have to, this song hit when I was like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing of higher comedy than, you know, she don't like, like me, you know, she don't eat me, but sure like the bone, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, you know, so. Um, Still funny. Said in the, the least sexual or the last <laughs> You know, <laughs> ominous way ever, more just like, oh my god, you know, are you kidding me? So, yeah, but the yeah. way they say it too is like so catchy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's just, yeah, it's like you said, it's gimmicky and it's um, quirky and stuff. But you know, if you're gonna make a song like that's a gimmicky song, uh, and there's there's so many songs between like 1992 and 1996. That in their own way are like gimmicky. We talked about some like, you know, peaches and stuff like there. But you're also going to get stuff like, you know, oh, yeah. the Crash Dummies and, you know, that Primitive Radio God song. Like, I've been downhearted, baby. You know, there's just a lot of these songs that there's <laughs> yeah. an endless array of these one hit wonders. And like in that like lane of like songs that it's like, oh, you know, and like later in the 90s, you get like How Bizarre, you know, and like mm-hmm. there's just a lot of these songs yep. that, you know. Um, and this is one of the first of those types of songs that there, there's no way a band called Dead Eye Dick could be anything but like a one <laughs> wonder band also. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I like this. This is a cash song, like a no doubt cash song. For it me. is a cash song. And I feel like it is like it is a one hit wonder, but it's like a deeper cut one hit wonder because I really yeah. forgot about this song. It's not oh, one did that you? I feel like is played oh. a lot in terms of no, like it's not. 90 songs that you everyone knows type of uh, it only isn't like a deep cut for me because the second somebody would say new age girl or dead eye dick i could begin (laughs) singing it immediately and so you can't be so deep and not just me i think people of a certain age the second you you bring it up you're like oh i know that song you know what i mean or or even if you just do one verse and so it can only be so deep cut but you're right you'd like never hear this on the radio or in any like media Right. <laughs> no. Yeah, you gotta. It's not going to be in a soundtrack for a movie or no. on TV. Even they, if they're trying for a retro motif, right. it's just not. Yep. It's 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 one in one with Dumb and Dumber. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's yeah, and and I do remember this before Dumb and Dumber. So yeah. that's what makes it even funnier. It didn't just surface for me in Dumb and Dumber. I remember hearing this on my local radio station, and it kind of was there, and you're like, oh, you know, and then it went away, only to resurface, which also makes me laugh. Yep. So, and we should add um, too that they've like reinvented. There's like a 2021 version now that is different than yes the original um, in in and, noticeable ways. So, oh yeah, and I was um, gonna, I, and you were gonna originally list that. I'm like, nah, yeah. I think you need to go back to the original one, dude. The yep. original one's the one to go for. I just so. thought it was a remaster, but that's that's not the case in this. Uh, no, it's slowed sense. down. Not yeah. as good. Yep. Yep. And so I think we've covered everything now because that's you it. mentioned, yeah. So there you go. So Josh's number one is George Michael and Elton John. My number one is Ice Cube. Uh, and we both had Mariah Carey and Dead Eye Dick high yep. in our list. <laughs> yes. No Eternal Jammas this week, though. Nope. And quite a few straight trashes. So unfortunately, not one of our stronger weeks for singles. But I still would encourage you to listen to all 10 and make your own determinations. Agreed. Okay. Album time, Josh. Yep. What are we covering first? We're covering Sublime's 40 Ounces to Freedom. We sure are. And we haven't done a Sublime album yet. We originally were booked to only do the self-titled. And like you said, this is technically not their first album. Uh, But unfortunately, I think as most know, 
uh, Bradley Knoll uh, passes away uh, in the mid-90s, I believe, 96, um, yeah. maybe 97. Um, I, I probably should have checked specifically that. I have some notes about the bio. but I um, think it's 96 because the album, mm-hmm. their famous, most famous album, came out uh, after he had already died. Right, the self-titled came yeah. out after he died. And I think famously he also, well, maybe not famously to some, I think he died within a week after getting married if i remember correctly too yeah he got married maybe like five days after or something like that um which is sad um for those that don't know um they were founded in 1988 uh they are definitely a california punk band as you Mm -hmm. can definitely tell when he's doing his thank yous at the end the longest thank you ever the longest thank you and he is full socal like Californian sketch level voice, like yep. Alhambra, you know, like me, like it's just kind of funny to hear like that pure SoCal thing. And also hilariously, like, I don't think we need to talk about what their influences are because he literally lays them all out in that last uh, clip. Yep. Um, he does die in May, 1996, Josh. Okay. I just looked that right there two months before the record's release. And yeah, within a week of him getting married, um, the group, for those who want to know, we took Brad Knowles, who we're talking about, who is the lead singer and songwriter. Um, he also plays the guitar. You've got bassist Eric Wilson, and you've got drummer uh, Bud Gall. Played their first gig on July 4th, 1988 in the Long Beach Club. Um, they gain a local following, as you would imagine, from yep. a band that, well, we'll talk about that later. But they're in a lot of subgenres, all of which stand out for the idea of growing a following with live shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, uh, 40 Ounce Freedom, is considered their first album. It's an LP. It's a long play. Um, and actually, it's released on Skunk Records, which is actually a label that Bradley Knoll founded uh, with the manager of Sublime. Okay. Um, and it was sold locally. Um, and what really breaks it is two years after this album comes out, uh, K-Rock, the pretty huge famous yeah LA. LA yeah rock station begins playing date rape and it catches on with the listeners and sort of um it, it luckily for them coincides with uh them recording Robin the Hood the album after this hmm. um and they end up signing with MCA um and that's kind of what breaks them bigger and then they're poised to you know go for the the mainstream right timing wise a lot of the sounds they're going for are hitting the mainstream. And unfortunately, before that can happen, uh, Bradley Knoll does die of a heroin overdose um, in a motel, hotel room. Um, mm. And the band uh, breaks up. And so the career is gone before the career is there. Of course, after they break up, um, <laughs> they're, they're, it's like they're still around because Santeria and Wrong Way and What I Got and all these songs yep. are on there. They're selling 5 million copies, even though they're not there. And then they do, um, they do sort of reform the band later uh, without him. And there's a thousand different Sublime tribute acts yes. um, with yeah. names of Sublime songs like Bad Fish and stuff like that. So, um, and then there was a, how it, how it manifested with the other two members, Wilson and Gall, is they uh, formed the Long Beach Dub All-Stars uh, shortly afterwards. Got it. Um, and then, you know, there's stuff like Secondhand Smoke and Stand By Your Van and stuff that are the live albums. But, um, yeah, they fully come back in 2009, um, the two members, surviving members of the group, with a gentleman named Rome Ramirez, and they're Sublime with Rome, 
and that is sort of how they tour uh, when they go out. So yeah, and they're still bit. touring today, right? They are. Yep, and yep. Um, as well as many tribute acts are. Um, yeah. as well there's more to say and i can and weave some stuff in but that's the basics and you know this is a bonus so we don't go as much into it right. but um what's you know josh i don't really know if you have or what your relationship with sublime i mean i know you know them because yes. it's hard not to yeah. know sublime but what's what's your relationship with origin story how'd you come across sublime yeah they were always i mean that that self-titled sublime album was everywhere when all those song- songs are huge hits and they were on the radio. I remember hearing them all the time. They were never like a band that was, that I was like super into. Um, they were always on the periphery of things that I did like because of their sound mm-hmm. like crossed over with so many other bands like the punk and the and ska and reggae and all of that. It's so well, and they have a jam influence too, yeah. which is not your, but that's another thing that comes out for sure. Yeah. So you can totally get why they have this, this um devoted following and i feel like a lot of there's a lot of bands that have taken kind of their sound and uh and run with it to you know better or worse um effect and so they are kind of like unique but i feel like um and this album is actually an example of kind of what i'm trying to say but i feel like they have they kind of combine too many things um and, and it doesn't always work for me. The uh, I, I like kind of, you know, singling out some of these styles themselves and enjoying the bands that are in that more. So that's why I kind of never got into it. I was also never really like into the, I was never really into like the skate punk scene. I was never a skateboarder and I was also never really like. Well, they're, they're hard to. To... Well, they have yeah. They cross over, and they're they're a big Venn diagram band, right? <laughs> well, as I was gonna say, like the, the, it, and I'm I'm gonna jump in if you don't mind. Yeah, I'll go take for your it. Tip. But like, they're such a weird band because, you know the the, the reggae kids, the skaters, the bros. You yep. know, they're bro. They're definitely a bro band yep. as well. Um, I don't know if that was the intention, but they morphed into a bro band. They overlap with the jam rock. You know, jam band kids yep. are in there. Um, you could be a person who's like a ska kid yep. or a punk kid and theoretically, you know, go, uh, yeah, you're right. They're like a weird Venn diagram and that, and that's why I think that album sold so much because mm-hmm. it's a little bit of everything while not being exactly specifically one thing at the same time. So it's, it sounds familiar to the largest cross section of, you know, and, and I can't stress enough working in high school. The first thing you notice is that, you know, when you made those high school movies and the, 80s and 90s in particular yeah. where like you'd see the cafeteria and the reason it did it was because there was some truth to it right you had like the yep. metal heads the skaters the stuff like that isn't a thing really that exists anymore there's mm-hmm. like no, i i woke up like six years ago and turned to one of my colleagues i'm like there's no metal heads anymore like they just don't exist and i'm like you know come to think of it there's no skaters anymore. they're just not like a group i i you know on one hand we have no monoculture on the other hand like yeah. everything's syncretic so no one has but surely there's, there's no like... gate yeah there's no gatekeepers which in one way is good but there's no gatekeepers which means taste <laughs> it's like does, gone it, does it just are you just saying that like there's so many different people that skateboard now because i feel like there still has to be skaters right? i mean there's people that skateboard but the the hallmarks of like what of the look skate and stuff. culture was like yeah. the fashion 
the vibe mm. it like doesn't exist now it's like oh i it just like there's people that listen to metal still yeah. but they're not like at a table where they have surprisingly good grades but also smoke a shit ton of pot and <laughs> wear nothing but black and only black t-shirts that mix between certain major label bands like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Metallica that have the cred and then also like fringe death metal and they alternate yeah. day to day between yes. like those brands. You get what I'm saying? Like you just yeah. don't see that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. The crossover too with all these groups is anyone who smokes weed would probably also like Sublime. So Well <laughs> they're they're yes, I mean, come yeah. on. Like almost every reference is to some degree yes. a weed reference, which God bless them. But like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you know, right off the bat you're like smoke two joints and stuff and this. I, f- and I feel like they also became like a hot topic band. Like their their shirts or right. like their logo and stuff too. That was another reason. Well, that's what I'm saying. They were like a they were like an under like a underground like scene band, yeah. right? That somehow became mainstream enough that they, yeah, they're a hot topic bro band. And yep. you're like that's an interesting journey. And you know, even the song like Date Rape is on one hand like broy in some ways, but also the heart's in the right place, I think, because yeah. they t- so it's kind. Of, Matt and I talked about that a lot. I like that song. Matt hates it, so it's kind of Matt I, took it very literally. I take it much more figuratively. So, I, yeah. I guess I kind of split the difference on that. Yeah. I I think it's maybe I, I I like the sound of it, but the lyrical mm-hmm. content I like right. don't really buy into it totally. You don't like the the two the two. Uh, phrase sentence by the judge <laughs> get the yeah. ties up nicely like yeah. basically just throws him in jail um there's a descendants cover in here did you catch that yes i did yep mm-hmm. uh that was uh hope right my yeah my time will come hope yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean there is six covers on here so that's another kind of yeah. notable mm-hmm. thing uh from different i think Scott it's kind of groups and grateful dead too and things like that Subl- yeah scarlet begonias is on mm-hmm. here for those that are looking for that but um yeah, it's such an interesting band because it's a band I don't have a strong take on one way or the other because, as you said, there's familiar sounds. I actually think there's um, – I think, like I said, because they sort of got repurposed as sort of dispo- – like into disposable pop culture yep. areas like broness and pot topic-y, mm-hmm. sort of it became kind of – there was a period where it was like they were huge, so they got popular, but also it was – kind of easy to shit on sublime but it was uncomfortable yeah. because they died right so like dad Noel died so it's like what lane are they in like you know but i i always thought that there was a real sincerity to yeah. what they did but also you know you can also understand that like everything to some degree is derivative what some sublime does mm-hmm. so i could understand how it would rub some people the wrong way and yeah. um you know i i depending on how you feel about white guys doing reggae, some people are really <laughs> right. bothered by that. Yeah. Like that could be a barrier for you. I mean, in fairness, they were sort of like the first mainstream group that was white guys doing reggae. And everybody says Brad Noel was the real deal. Like, yeah. you know, in early adapter, you know, really walk the walk. Um, you know, obviously something we haven't mentioned here that comes up, they have a lot of ties to like Latino culture as yes. well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Brad Dole is, is very, very fluent in Spanish. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, um, the infrastructure of the band ties, you know, into that part of Long Beach. They're not in, they're an interesting band in that scene too, because that 
sort of that ska and punk scene sometimes gets tagged as being like a very suburban white kid scene um, and probably fairly in some ways, but sublime is much more known as being tied into like the, the, the Latin uh, part of, of long beach, which is a piece of it. And of course then they're doing reggae. So at least, you know, musically there's, you know, Jamaican it's, but the stories are always funny. It's like, he got into it like a trip his parents took to like the Caribbean. It's like, that's the most, you know, like it's, you, yeah. you want to give him the benefit of that. You're like, uh, you know, it's like, and that's kind of, at the end of the day, that's kind of what it is. You know, like I like Sublime, but you can't help but sometimes wonder if you probably shouldn't like them, you know, in some ways, but, and maybe that's what it is. I, Well, there's a lot of things to talk about. I guess getting back to the album um, a bit, I feel like, A, I do like the, mm-hmm. the, the incorporation of Spanish into the songs. I feel like that's authentic and works really well. I, I feel like that is kind of something that not uniquely them, but they do, they do really well. Um, and yep, I agree. And I feel like, you know, like on caress me down or Santeria on the later songs, they, they incorporate this, the Spanish in a kind of organic way that, that I really like. Well, um, they do here like on, uh, uh, Chica Mi Tipo, uh, yes. you know, Mi Tipo as well. Like it's, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I think the album as a whole is, a, is too long for me. I think they were trying to yeah. be overly ambitious and kind of throw everything into the pot that they could maybe rightly or wrongly. Like maybe this was their only sh- felt like they were the only shot or something or had a lot to, lot to say. So I feel like kind of like by the midway point, I was, either songs were kind of like running together or I was kind of like losing the thread of <laughs> what they I were think about. that though was sort of a underground deal you know like it's yeah. kind of like the idea of like when you're minor threat right like we yeah. covered in the 80s it's like let's take all of the songs we play live and we don't have a lot of money so let's just put them all on the album mm-hmm. and then sell this yep. here because this is what people are coming for I think there was definitely at this stage of their career a little bit of that vibe yeah so I think I, I like I would have liked them I think they tighten up later on, which I appreciate more. And, but I think that, you know, the, all the hallmarks of the band are here. So if you like sublime and kind of like want to see an early iteration of them, uh, you're going to enjoy this album. I like some of their covers. Um, but I also like the originals better typically, especially on like the ska stuff and the, um, I don't know. I, I feel like they're, getting to your reggae uh white guy reggae thing i think what really bothers me is and there's people like that around here where i live is like when the white guys have dreads or like uh white women have dreads i really don't like that um (laughs) (laughs) strong strong preference yeah Yeah. but um but everything else you know the culture or is it like that doesn't belong to you is (laughs) that what it feels like yeah yeah kind of like that's the line culture is not my costume right isn't (laughs) that the other one yeah yeah like don't try like um, my culture is not your costume sorry (laughs) i misappropriated the pronouns there yeah um and so that also crosses into like the dirty hippie like thing uh stereotype that um i also have a problem with so like (laughs) the Mm -hmm. uh not being the hippie part like being the dirty like not showering part Um, oh that's what i was wondering like what (laughs) part of it like i i hate hippies like eric cartman level take or yeah okay um so yeah i think this is a this is kind of like a a good album but it doesn't rise to the level of like great or or very good or great for me ultimately okay 
Yeah, I might be in the same area too. I, I agree with a lot of the criticisms you have of it. It's it's interesting how much they dive around. I mean, there's a song about how much KRS-One yes. has taught him. <laughs> yes. So there's a there's a hip hop element there because obviously there is. Yeah, stuff they sample that. Beastie He's, Boys too, right? They um, do. Yep. Yeah. But, well, but Beastie Boys sampling, yeah, other yes. people. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, yeah, and that at the thanks at the end, you can see the sort of genre shifting. He basically labels it. It's also it's amazing how much this is. For people of our era, like, you know, the, I hate the term 90s kids, but mm-hmm. like it's sort of because you can kind of use it if you were born in the 90s, which I'm like, you're not nine, like the idea is you were formed by it, not like born in it. Yeah. Um, but you could see sort of there aren't many people, regardless of how they feel about the band that don't know like four sublime songs they kind of crossed over into omnipresence yes. but sometimes you don't think of them as being huge either but then when you asked anybody who has a nominal interest in music between the ages of like say currently 38 maybe and 48 you know they're like they all know sublime yes. they're one of the few bands i can think of that's like that of the era and I if you look so at too. the if you look at the plays, like Smoke Two, and this is not even their big album, right? But right. like Smoke Two Joints has 100 million plays. Bad Fish has 177 million plays. Uh, Date Rape has 60 million plays. So that is large, large numbers yeah. of plays yeah. um, for stuff that hasn't been, and for the secondary stuff. You know, we're not even talking the the you know the the. Self-titled, which has probably yep. the three most known songs. Bad Fish is a pretty damn big song, but mm-hmm. um, um, but yeah, I I would say the same thing. I I like this album. I don't know if it rises into the the great category for me. Certainly, uh, it's probably right on the fringe of very good. Probably more like in the good category mm-hmm. for me in terms of our ratings that we do. But um, I'm glad we listened to it. Um, yes, yeah, and I'm glad it's probably good that me and you did it too because I. I yeah, I wonder know. what I wonder what Matt's feelings are on them. I don't think he's a big Sublime <laughs> guy, um, which is yeah. interesting because there's parts of what Sublime takes that Matt is bigger fans, a yep. bigger fan of than me and you. And then there's parts, of course, of their sound that me and you are bigger fans of. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe I'm not giving him credit. Maybe like us, he's gonna find parts he likes better than others. But yep. um, mm-hmm. so yeah, nice there's Sublime. Now, we're revisiting for the second time 10,000 Maniacs. We've already covered them before. I believe we did. Did we do Blind Man Zoo, right? Oh, that's a good question. Um, or, or it was in, no, it might be, no, we did In My Tribe. Yes. In My Tribe Correct. is what we did. I apologize. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, what'd you think? Um, this is their last album because Natalie Merchant goes, uh, they do the Unplugged and then Natalie Merchant goes solo yeah. right after this. Mm-hmm. And, well, and they announced this as their last album before they did it. So Yeah, it's so knew. interesting because, um, you know, I was, I, in some sense, I can see why she would go solo, but maybe, and I don't, I'm not. I think I know some of her solo singles that got pretty popular, but. You probably um, know Carnival would yes. be a song you yeah, probably know. Yeah, there's others too, but yeah. that's the I just will go with that as the big one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was really high on um, the the album that we talked about previously yep. in my tribe. Um, I really liked Nellie Merchant and yep. kind of her vibe. Actually, she's one of the few artists that I went back and watched a lot of videos of her in, in that Unplugged mm-hmm. um, album uh, yeah. session as well, because that's not kind of like 
it's like really only on YouTube. Um, from what I which saw. is an awesome show that yeah. unplugged. It's one of the better ones. Yeah, yeah. I think it really highlights her voice. And this and this album is kind of more of the same for me in a good way. Like it really, uh, I really love her voice and kind of her vibe. And she's got this weird. I don't know if this is Freudian or what, but she's got like this motherly feel to her to me. Um, oh, I always have said the same yeah. thing. She's got like a warm embrace of a yeah. mother. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, she's got good range in her voice. And I feel like um, as far as the rest of the band goes, they kind of add some variety on this album as well. There's some more up-tempo stuff. They add some horns, which I really liked in songs like, um, let me just pull it up here. Uh well, um, well, like they do, they def. You're asking what songs do they have horns on? Oh, few and far between. Few that and was far one. between for yeah. sure. Yeah, candy everybody mm-hmm. wants. I don't know if that has horns, but that was a really good song and a pretty big single. Um, I like that as well. Yeah, that has horns. That dun, yeah, dun, 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 dun. Yep. <laughs> that's like horns right there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I really liked uh, the album's pretty solid overall. I I kind of just am able to be carried away by her voice and um what did you think about this album so i the stuff that is strong on this album i've always liked um and uh, and just so happens on this album because i actually like some deep cuts in the Ten Thousand maniacs larger catalog quite a Mm -hmm. bit but this one i do think the big ones are you know, the songs that you would know, which is, um, you know, uh, these are days, <laughs> these are days, <laughs> candy. Everybody once was a yeah. big song. You know, those are the ones I'm not the man, um, from this version was not as big, but then the version from unplugged became a thing. Cause the unplugged version is a better version of that song. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, uh, I think what is disappointing about this album a little bit is it is a little bit more adult contemporary for me. Mm, um, okay. It's definitely more a Natalie Merchant album, I feel like, than a 10,000 Maniacs album. But knowing where Natalie Merchant goes after this, it she finds a lane that is, I think, a little bit more total for this. And I like 10,000 Maniacs, but I was a little disappointed. And I was like, oh, man, because like... Blind Man Zoo, the album after this, has songs like, you know, Eat for Two and Trouble Me and um, Poison in the Well and stuff. Some songs I really like from them mm-hmm. uh, that we didn't cover. And, uh, and this one didn't have the same level of deep cuts for me as some of the, the others did. I, I have liked um, Gold Rush Brides a little bit. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that stands out to me is there's a lot of these songs are on the Unplugged. And yes. I do feel the unplugged version of these songs in many cases is the stronger version. There's something about the stripped down nature of the unplugged mm-hmm. performances as opposed to the studio version of some of these songs that really enhances them. Like, and I think of like uh, These Are Days, which is basically just a showcase for Natalie Merchant's voice on yeah. that show. Mm-hmm. There's an added gravitas to the I'm Not The Man song you know about the death penalty like Mm -hmm. in the spare arrangement of that room um yeah it's i it's also a much slower album so there's a lot less jangle which is something that i associate with the Ten Thousand maniacs on every album up to this and then Mm -hmm. suddenly the pleasant jangle that's around that i i love about them kind of disappears completely and it's missed on this album a little bit so um, the songs, I know Natalie Merchant's songwriting is not for everybody. She's very direct. 
There is no subtext. It's all text. She'll mm-hmm. tell you exactly what her thoughts are on an issue. I know for some people, especially after we talked about, you know, corny lyrics and stuff, some people might, I guess, have that vibe for her because there's an earnestness to her lyrics. I don't find her lyrics to be um, sort of what we talked about earlier, sort of right. not. I, I wouldn't say necessarily they're like, profound in the way that when somebody takes a different angle for you or makes you think these are much more like i'm going to give you my editorial opinion on these things and and directly tell you um and and a lot of the issues she sings about maybe it helps that i agree with her take on a lot Mm -hmm. of the issues and i think she was singing about things that it's somewhat bold to sing about it in popular music and, and they were a popular band Uh, at this time but uh, i don't find her like some people do to be overly um preachy yeah um it does work for me um yeah but yeah i go ahead i'm sorry i was gonna say i don't really get that vibe either i I, it works for me as well Mm -hmm. yeah i but i just think at the end of the day i like this album but i don't love this album Mm -hmm. i when we did in my tribe there was all kinds of songs and i remember listening to that album i'm like this is this is an album that's much better than it gets credit for and then um i just was curious after listening to this i was like huh did i misremember like why i like Ten Thousand maniacs and then i listened to blind man zoo and i'm like no like this there's a lot i like on this album too and um and they have a one thing about Ten Thousand maniacs too is they have a very good greatest hits album. Mm-hmm. Um, they there because there's a couple good songs, strong songs on every album they do, um, even from the early stuff. And so they're a great uh, greatest hits band as well. Yeah, if 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 you're interested in our take on in my tribe, uh, that's from '87, and we covered that back on mm-hmm. episode 23 last season. Um, and then uh, we didn't cover Blind Man Zoo, but that came out in '89. And then right. this, and that was a pretty. It looks like that was kind of their highest charting album, actually. It was, and, yeah. That was probably their peak. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then this album also did pretty well. I mean, obviously, two times platinum is is no, nothing to joke at. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, it's interesting the jangle part. I didn't really think about that. I didn't go back and listen to in my tribe though. Too, I bet that probably is something that is missing from this um as well but it didn't really bother me this time oh around. gosh if you heard i mean if you go back and listen to you know um in my tribe it's all over yeah. it. and it's still very much like i'm thinking like eat for two and poison the well two songs i i mentioned before mm-hmm. uh, trouble me is a little bit more like what this album's like but um those other songs are you know almost rem level jangle mm-hmm. you know or like you know the the rem birds jangle is is all over that so mm-hmm yeah and um yeah those are from from blind man zoo i think you said in my mm-hmm. tribe but um yeah oh yeah. did i okay, i'm sorry yeah mm-hmm. so um yeah good good stuff um yeah yeah and again and I our think... last time covering them because well although we're going to cover natalie merchant's um debut solo album so oh okay we'll good be stuff. back mm-hmm. yeah Tiger so i think Lily is the name both both uh we're both positive on this album overall yeah, I'd say yeah. so. I, I, I've always liked 10,000 Maniacs. I always thought they were a little bit of an underappreciated band mm. um, in their time. So Nice. And, well, we'll see if we think that Sugar is it. What, what, what would we call this a band or an act? You know, is this, <laughs> you, you mentioned before Bob Mould, and um, this is not even a side project because Husker Du is gone by this time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, our first time covering them, like I said, we covered... 
the single, which you absolutely know is the single on this album, Josh. It's, yes. It stands out as it's almost written for radio friendliness. Matt and I in that episode were just shocked that that song wasn't wasn't a bigger hit. It just if seems I, like. And we're talking about if I can't change your mind. Is that correct. The song? Yes, it was. It, incredibly apparent to me when we got to that song when i listened yeah. to it <laughs> yeah and you think to yourself like how in god's name was this not on the radio like all the even matt's like oh i knew this song but it was like on a compilation tape of bloody and i'm like <laughs> how was this not like on the radio next to like hey jealousy and like uh you know the the you know it's a shame about ray and yep. like all those different songs it just seems made for the radio so what'd you think of this one yeah, this is a band that I never knew, much like Husker do. Um, only listened mm-hmm. to it from the podcast, and I, I I like this album quite a bit. I feel like it is melody mixed with noise rock and a little bit of feedback, and mm-hmm. and uh, reminds me of a lot of rock that comes later on in the decade. Um, I don't yeah. know if this is a a progenitor even into like the early two thousands. I feel like a lot of rock bands kind of took the sound and and ran with it. Um, well, and a lot of rock that came shortly before this too, I'd hmm. say like, there's a, there's a lot of pixies in this Yes, uh, yeah. for sure. There's a, a, we did teenage fan club, right? That's another yep. band that came out immediately that I thought of. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, those are good comparisons. Well, and that's probably why um, I responded so well to this album. Um, I feel like there is a lot of pretty well-written, catchy songs on here. The, um, I really think that, the guitars is a pretty um, solid and a standout um, sound on this album. There is, you know, songs like Changes I really liked and um, If I Can't Change Your Mind, obviously. And I think uh, Slick I really liked as well further on down in the album. And yeah, it just kind of it was a pretty solid album all the way through. Um, interesting when they in the song Hoover Dam that they added some synth to that. That was kind of a, a change of pace um, up to that point. That's the fourth. Uh, that's the fifth track on the album, and um, I think his uh, his singing is he he's also the lead singer, right, Bob Mold? Um, I think. Uh, I believe for this, yes, he's yeah. serving as the singer. And, uh, yep. Yeah, I like it. I like his voice as well. But yeah, it is definitely kind of now that you say it, it's kind of like Pixies esque or derivative in some way. But but uh, still well, we, works pretty um, well for me. We it, they, I definitely heard a lot of Pixies in it, and there you know there's a Massachusetts tie because they recorded hmm. um, this album there. I uh, you weren't on the episode I think where we covered the single that. Matt and I had no. never heard the band before, but it was called. It was by a band called Catherine Wheel, and Matt and I were both fans of it. And there's okay. a lot of what that sounded like in this album too. Okay, um, interesting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I just I'm trying to make sure that um, Mold is the you know because he's not the vocalist in Husker Du. He is the but, lead um, singer on this. He is the lead singer here. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, there's some other songs you didn't mention. I really like the song Fortune Teller mm-hmm. on this album. Um, it's for the style of music it has, it has very good hooks. Yeah. Um, 
And you mentioned feedback. There's telltale feedback. But this, if you're a person that does not love feedback and you heard Josh say that and be like, oh, feedback album, not for me. Um, it's it's yes, a very it's non-obtrusive like feedback. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Yeah, it is no. not like Sonic Youth or, or, I don't know, Jesus Mary Chain or something. My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. Well, it has a little bit in common with Jesus and Mary Chain, but yeah. not like the level of feedback. I'd right. say that like idea of like the the – sugary hooks right like that's where they share in common yeah. but the there's rest there's is, a yeah. fuzzy nature to their sound i would say yes um that, or maybe almost like uh, i don't know, like a wall of sound type of there is like a lot of sound going on layer <laughs> layered of sound well, there's, i feel like there is um, it's yeah. yeah there's definitely layering so i think you're right yeah. in that concept of like the walls it's also there's a little bit of a nostalgic tinge to this mm -hmm. there's a little bit of power pop yes uh, mixed into this that's um, what i think draws me in a lot for the power pop band. yeah yeah definitely. yeah it's what drew madden as well and he was familiar with this album when we did it but i yeah it, this was a ple easy listen pleasant yep. listen um it's i like power pop i like feedback rock i like big hooks so it's got a lot of things I like. I like the way it's meld, melded together. I kind of said Husker Du, I thought, were – maybe genius is too strong a word. But they were remarkably good at taking what would be abrasive music. And especially upon re-listens, yeah. you found like a very – there was something very conventional about their abrasive compositions. Which, I mean, to be able to make like conventional, unconventional songs, mm -hmm. I think, was, was kind of how – I like that there was a tonality to them that was a gift. And I think Bob Mould carried some of that over to this album. Um, you know, another uh, good comparison for a little bit of what was going on here at times, there's a little bit of like what the Minutemen were doing mm -hmm. as well at different things. But this is a prettier version yep. of that sound. Um, and put all together, I can see why this is considered to be one of like those lost gems of the early nineties because this wasn't getting a ton of radio airplay, at least near me. I know there were a couple videos on MTV and Matt was familiar with at least one of them. I though watched a lot of MTV and I didn't see too much sugar, um, within it. Um, so it kind of, it got past me a little bit and I'm glad we went back and revisited this. Yeah. And I think we were all pretty high on Husker Du also, um, with, with, uh, yeah, it took Matt a little longer, I think, but yeah, he, he, came he definitely got it. Yeah, he came around. Yeah. We covered Zen Arcade back uh, in 84 in episode 13, and I think we covered New, New Day Rising. New right? Day Rising in a bonus yeah. episode, maybe. We did, um, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. so check those out as well. Um, but yeah, they have. Uh, that was bonus episode 10 of last season. Um, but yeah, go. it's good that he's. Uh, they continued kind of. Uh, not who's could do sound, but uh, continue to kind of reinvent himself or, or take that lineage in some way. Yeah. It was an interesting time for him around this too, because he, um, this was his, his first project post Husker do. Mm -hmm. um, and this was their first album and it became, it, they oftentimes I read it was his most commercially successful project. Oh, um, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Another funny thing in his bio that you'll find funny, Josh, others may not and stuff. Do you know there was a brief period of time late in the run of the promotion that Bob Mould was a writer and creative consultant for WCW, the wrestling organization? <laughs> no, I did not. Wow. Yep, right in like the, the, the period where they were struggling, right? Oh, and, like okay. kind of business. He was brought on as like a creative consultant. And huh. um, 
there's some interesting stories. I forget he he clashed with somebody that I can't remember who. But um, anyway, we won't go into that. But worth oh, a Google, must, Josh. Weird. Yeah, I must. He must be a wrestling fan. How, how else would he? He is a longtime one, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Joining other unusual wrestling fans <laughs> that we found on this podcast, like Michael Stipe, you know, and and yeah. I guess another interesting thing, and it, this was not how I was planning on transitioning to this, but um, shortly after this album. Um, he actually was outed by um, some magazines within um, the homosexual subculture okay. with hopes that him being outed would make him sort of like a, a spokesman for the mm. cause. But uh, he, he was not about that. <laughs> he, yeah. he, he was pretty vocal about no, that's not going to be happening right now. And mm. um, a little bit uh, from the reading I did, at least, and people can reframe me if it's there, a little bit um, resentful of the fact that it happened. Um, I think he, well, that's unfair he was def- to him. He shouldn't. Well, I think it was more like, he's like, I'm perfectly happy doing my music and I'm by no means not proud, but, um, you know, uh, I'm private, you know, yeah, kind of right. guy. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but that came up when I was doing my research a couple different times and, um, I don't know how much it affects the art or anything like that, but it just seems like it led to like a little bit of a tumultuous time shortly after it. So, Nice. Yep. And really, Sugar was gone before. Uh, they were gone as quickly as they came along the way. But Bob Mould continued to do sort of solo projects throughout the 90s. So Got it. Uh, maybe one day we'll revisit him. Yeah, sounds good. Well, do you want to revisit for the listeners again? Because we read him last week and we did make a change um, oh, right. in the run. The run. So we there is going to be one alteration in terms of the albums we're covering next week. But yeah. Remind the listeners again what we're going to be covering. Yeah, we're going to be 92 transitioning into 93. We've got Soul Asylum's Grave Dancers Union, PJ Harvey's Dry, Helmet's Meantime, and Suede's self-titled Suede. Mm-hmm. Uh, all bands I am not familiar with, really. So oh. good, good stuff. God, yeah, PJ Harvey's an interesting one because it's both the person and the band name. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know you're a big fan of her, right? As well. We um, won't spoiler alert, but uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, but, but we'll have, I'm sure we'll have plenty of discussion about that next week. So, yep. And, and Matt will be back as far as we know. And we've got five, six, uh, six singles that we'll be, uh, briefly discussing and going mm-hmm. through. And uh, I have listened to those already. And uh, so, so looking yep. forward to that as well maybe a little bit more spirited uh than than this week's singles yeah yeah so i guess we'll tie it off and and unless matt's uh polishing boats with andy dufresne and san juan taneo um he'll be back (laughs) next week and we'll be at full strength but until then this is john signing off for josh another fun one josh yeah and uh enjoy your what's left well you're gonna probably be listening to this after leap year is there hope you had a wonderful leap day and uh a great start to the month of March. the ides of march josh are here A famous CTS callback, if there ever was one. (laughs) We'll talk more about it next week. So uh, for all of us, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Combing the Stacks can be found on 13 different platforms. Viewer feedback can be sent to combingthestacks at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at CombingThe and on YouTube by searching for Combing the Stacks and throwing us a follow.